Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoyed this message from our Sunday sermon series, Where Are They Now? We've taken liberty in this series for a continuation of stories never finished in the Bible. There are those who made a difference or impact, but we never hear from them again. Some made the best of opportunities, but never really knew what kind of impact they made, while others missed opportunities entirely and their stories stopped short. Where do we think they ended up? How did their story end? If we could interview them today, what would they say? Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. We're here this morning in our last message uh, on our message series. We've been talking about where are they now? And what we've been talking about this week or this month have been characters in the Bible that uh, had an encounter with God. Some met with Christ. Others are in the Old Testament. And many of them uh, made great decisions. Other, others did not. Some of them didn't even know the impact that they made by the decision that they had uh, decided to do. And others made wrong decisions and missed an opportunity. And so this morning, I, I want to talk about a particular character that Jesus came across. And how many know when you come across Jesus, you'll never leave the same? And so what we're doing is we could interview them, if we could talk to them, if they were able to come back, what would they tell us? What kind of wisdom would they give you? What kind of advice uh, would they convey to you and I? So we kind of get this spotlight or this snapshot um, conversation. We get to listen in, kind of like a front row seat, get to listen in on uh, this particular conversation. And this one is with Christ, encounters uh, this one woman and we know her at, as the woman at the well. How many have ever read that story, the woman at the well? Many of you have. You're familiar with that story. And we never get to hear her name. We don't know what her name is. But we do know her as the woman at the well. What's really interesting when you begin to read the Bible is this is one of the longest conversations that's recorded in the Bible that Jesus ever had with anyone. In other words, there are several conversations Jesus had with uh, Pharisees, with kings, different people. But this one, this particular uh, conversation is the longest conversation that is recorded in the New Testament. And what's really phenomenal is this conversation kind of gives us a summary of what's going on in today's time. There's so many things in this story that can relate to today's time. I hear a lot of people always say, well, the Bible's not relevant. And the Bible isn't uh, uh, doesn't apply to today's time. It's old-fashioned. Uh, it, it's way outdated. Well, let me just say this to you. You haven't read the Bible. Because when you begin to read the Bible, you're going to find that the Bible relates to every part of your life. And it is relevant to today's time. In fact, many of the things that were happening during that time are happening today. How many know there's still despair and hopelessness? How many realize that people still make foolish decisions, right? And there's still limited faith and all these convenient excuses. So when you read the Bible, you're going to find that uh, it's very relevant. In fact, it points us to Jesus. It tells us who he was and who he is and what, what he can do in your life. It talks about the destiny that you can have with Christ. And so over and over, when you begin to read the Bible and you begin to get into these stories, you'll find that you're going to find yourself in that story. And so in this particular story, Jesus comes across a woman at the well, 
And something very powerful happens in this conversation. And so I'm going to read uh, uh, just part of the conversation in John chapter 4, verse 5 through 8. We're going to get through the whole conversation, but I'm going to kind of break it down a little bit. And so I'm going to read you the first part of John chapter 4, verse number 5 through 8. And it says, in Samaria, Jesus came to the town called Sychar, which is near the field Jacob gave his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was tired from a long trip. So he sat down beside the well. It was about 12 o'clock noon. And when, Samari- when, this, when a Samaritan woman came to the well to get some water, Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. This happened while Jesus' followers were in town buying some food. So I want to pray and ask the Lord to help us as we get into this message. Father, we thank you today that we could be here to listen to your word. And God, I pray that you'd open our hearts, just kind of clear our minds today. There's so many things that may boggle our minds, so many worries and things, distractions. God, remove that and let us hear the word of God because your word is relevant and it does apply in today's time. And, Father, we pray today that you'll minister to every person in this building, wherever they find themselves, that whether they're young or old, God, that your word could relate to them and they could relate to the word. And, Father, today I pray speak to hearts today. Challenge them. I pray for the anointing of your spirit as I declare the word of God. And I pray today that your people would hear the voice behind the voice. In Jesus' name, and the people said... And so on this particular day, Jesus had been traveling all day. The Bible tells you that he was tired, and it was around noontime, around right now, about this time. And the sun was probably bearing down on them, especially in that part of the country. And so Jesus came to this well, this rock ledge. Uh, These wells were built up, so he kind of sat on the lip of the well. And as he was there, precisely at that moment, this woman came, this Samaritan woman came to draw water from the well. Now, what's very interesting is that this woman came in new, at noontime. She came by herself, which was very dangerous anyway to do. But there's a reason for that, and I'm going to tell you that in just a moment. We get to hear why she's there by herself. There's some things about her life. She has a riddled past. There's a, a checkered past, so to speak. There's some things in her life that probably have kept her away from everybody else because when women went to the well, they would normally go in the morning or late at night, and it would be there that all the women would show up together. They would chat, you know, and talk, comadre, this and that. You know, they were all talking and chatting there with the highlight of a woman's life. But the Bible says this woman shows up by herself. There's no one around. And really, there's a number of things that are going on here because the Bible says she comes from a particular village named Sakar which is kind of a, a, a main trading route, and a lot of people know this well. This is where they can get water. And so Jesus looks at her. She looks at him. He asked her for a drink of water. And so there's a number of walls that are there. And I'm going to tell you, describe what these walls are. Number one, there's a religious wall between them. There's a gender wall, the fact that she was a, he, uh, she was a woman, he was a man. There's a racial wall, and I'm going to tell you about the racism, and there's a moral wall. It tells you about the condition of her life. 
And if we were to able, able to talk to her and interview her, what would she say? I believe the first thing she would say to us is that I can't even believe Jesus took the time to talk to me. And I'm going to show you why that's so true in this story. The fact that Jesus spoke to her was the miracle in itself. And the reason for that is because back then, Jewish people and Samaritans did not speak to each other. They hated each other. There was a racial wall between them. In fact, if I can kind of give you a little, little geography, uh, back then up to the north with Galilee, in the middle was Samaria, and then at the bottom was Judea. And so the people from Judea would want to travel to Galilee, and they, they could go straight through Samaria. It would be a shorter route. It would be like two and a half days. But because the hatred was so strong, they would go around. They would go the other route. They could get to Galilee. And the reason for that, the reason why they hated each other, there was a racial tension between them, is because the Samaritans, where they came from, was when Assyria came and attacked the Jewish people, they began to have intermarriage, and that's where Samaritans came from. They were half Jews, so to speak. They were half-breeds. And so there was racial tension. So the Jewish people would look at the Samaritans as half-breed, and they didn't want to be around them. They hated them so much, and that's why they would go around the other place. I don't know if you've ever grown up in a racial place or in a racial area where you don't go over there, they don't go over here. I grew up in a neighborhood where there was a lot of racial tension. And if, you, if, you know, if you're familiar with what I'm talking about, you didn't walk in that area, you didn't cross to that area, and they didn't cross over here. If there was, there was trouble. And I remember my brothers teaching me, you don't take that route, you go this route, you go there, you don't go over here. That's the way it works. And there was a lot of this racial tension that was going on. So when Jesus meets this woman, he begins to speak to her, which is profound because there was so much racial tension. Now, I want to say to you that he didn't meet her there by coincidence. How many know when you meet God, it's not a coincidence? He knew, let me just say this, he knew that she would be there at the right time, at the right moment, at that precise time he was going to meet her. He had a, a, a mission to meet that woman. We call that divine providence. What divine providence means is that God is working. In other words, every part and detail of our life is an outward of God's will. In other words, God is accomplishing his will to ensure that his purpose is fulfilled. God governs, uh, the, uh, uh, he governed the affairs of men and women through the natural law and the supernatural law. And so she's going there to get water and Jesus is there to get water, but in reality, he's there to give her living water. She doesn't realize that he, he has the need for water, but she doesn't realize she has the need for eternal water. She doesn't realize that day that she has an appointment with the Son of God. She's thinking she's there just to draw Water. She's thinking she's just there. She's going to get some water and leave. Now, let me just describe to you that this woman was a social outcast. The reason, again, was because she was there by herself. 
She was there with no other woman was there, and she was, there was something going on in her life that she avoided the crowd. She avoided the other women. There were some things in her past that kept her from showing up where all the other women were there, and I'm going to show you why in just a moment. So we could ask her the second question. He, we would ask her, well, what else surprised you about him? She would probably say what really surprised me is that he was asking me for something. Now, I want you to read this, uh, the rest of the story in John chapter 4, verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Then it says, for the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And she said, sir, or sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? And also to his sons and his flocks and his herds. And Jesus answered and said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I, so that I won't get thirsty and to keep coming here to draw water. And again, there's kind of a triple surprise here. First of all, again, Jewish people did not speak to Samaritans. Number two, a man during that time would not speak to a woman in public. Number three, a Jewish man would not drink from a Samaritan utensil. In other words, if you if you use that spoon and you were a Samaritan, I wouldn't I wouldn't use that spoon. I wouldn't drink from the same thing that you would drink from. And so this with all this racial tension that was going on, Jewish people did not talk to Samaritans. Even more, a Jewish man did not speak to women in public, let alone a Samaritan. In fact, Jesus was considered a teacher of the law. If you were a teacher of the law back then, you never spoke to a woman in public, not even your sister or your mother. That's the way the culture was. In fact, they called many of the religious Pharisees black and blue Pharisees because instead of talking to women, whenever they saw a woman coming their way, they would just close their eyes tight, and they would hit a pillar or they would hit a wall. And so they called them the black and blue Pharisees. And there's a lot of men today like that, but not because they're closing their eyes, because they're turning their heads. You know what I'm talking about. And they're black and blue. But that's another story. So when Jesus saw this woman, she knew that he was a Jewish man, probably because the way he was dressed, maybe his accent, she knew he was a stranger passing through. And so in addition to that, that Jesus would ask her for a drink of water, she knew, man, it was a sin for Jews to eat from the same utensil that a Samaritan did. So she knew there was something going on here. See, when Jesus does things, he doesn't have to be politically correct. Did you hear me? He wasn't worried about that. This was a teachable moment. Say teachable moment. 
And basically, Jesus is saying to her, if you knew who it was that was talking to you, Jesus, again, is trying to give her his identity, trying to tell her, you know what? Salvation is yours for the asking. I would have given you water. I would have given you living water that you'll never thirst again. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about the spiritual water that he gives you, and it's water that flows with eternal life. This is what Jesus was talking about. He's saying to you and I, he wants to give you living water. I said he wants to give you some living water. And so many times we struggle with this because we, we you know, uh, so, so many times we, we don't realize that we have needs, but we're wanting the wrong things. How many know so many people, they're wanting the wrong things. They're trying to fill their lives with all kinds of junk, all kinds of things. And, and Jesus said, man, I'm here to give you some living water so that you'll never thirst again. And she says, sir, give me this water. So I won't have to get thirsty and keep coming to this well to keep drawing water. She goes, you know what, let me have this. Let me, let me get this water. She doesn't realize he's not talking about physical water. Again, it's spiritual water. Whenever you're sharing the gospel, whenever you're telling people about the Lord, there's always this spiritual blindness. They don't understand the things of God. They're blinded by the material world. They're blinded by what they see. I want to tell you, there's more to to what you see than the naked eye. The spiritual world is a lot bigger and greater. And so people are blinded by those things. They don't understand. They see us worshiping God. They go, why are they lifting their hands? Why are they clapping? There's something spiritual going on you don't understand. And yet, isn't it funny at the concert, they got their little phones and they're jumping up and down. They come to church and go, why are they dancing? Because we're dancing because we love God. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're lifting up our hands because he deserves more praise than, what is it, uh, Bruno or Brownie Mars, whatever it is, Mars, whatever his name is. What's his name? Bruno Mars. If I met him in the elevator, I wouldn't even know who he is. Snoop Dogg, whoever they are, I wouldn't even know who those guys are. I just think it's just another guy in the elevator. Anyway, let's keep moving. I'm, I'm moving on. I, I went to something different. Jesus was realizing, or I should say this woman was realizing that Jesus was different. And Jesus understood that she had a greater need than just water. She had a relationship problem. She had a problem with relationships. And there's a lot of people today, you have problems with relationship. Look at what Jesus said. He confronts her. And if we can ask, if we can ask a third question, what would you say about Jesus? She would say, he confronted me about some things that, man, they were hard to hear. How many know when we get confronted, it's hard to hear the truth? So look at what Jesus says to her in verse, uh, John chapter 4, verse 16. He said, he told her, go call your husband and come back. And she said, I have no husband. She replied, uh, she replied, and Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. You're shacking up with that guy. I already know. I know your whole story already. What you have said is quite true. So on one level, it appears that Jesus is being insensitive. 
And one level, it appeared that Jesus is not really being, he's bringing up her path. Is Jesus trying to embarrass her? Is Jesus trying to put her down? No. Jesus is trying to give her some instruction, trying to let her know, you know what? I'm going to have to share the truth with you. I'm going to have to be open with you. You're going to have to be open with me. No more hiding. Jesus knew he had to expose a couple of things in order to bring some healing in her life. This woman had five husbands, the Bible says, and the one she was currently living with was not her husband. In other words, she had been married, divorced, married, divorced five different times. She was the Elizabeth Taylor of the New Testament, I'm sorry to say. I think she went up to number seven, am I right? <laughs> number seven I think she had. Okay, she's dead. This lady's dead too, okay? So let's just keep going. And she said she's currently living in a sinful relationship with this man. They're not married. They're in a sinful relationship. Jesus said she's not your husband. So people always say, we're just living together, and, but we're married. No, you're not. Unless you sign your name and commit it, you ain't married. Are you hearing me? It's like, it, 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 it's like, it's, it's like your title to your car. Unless you sign it. That ain't your car. You can drive it, but you don't own it. You're with me. That house deed, that ain't your house. Unless your name's on it, the bank owns it. Are you hearing me? I just want you to know it's more than a piece of paper. When you sign your name, you're making a full commitment. You're saying, I commit myself. You don't have a driver's license unless you sign your name. Did you know that? Anyway, I'll move on to the next thing here. So this woman said, I have no husband. Now, it's interesting when you begin to add up the conversation because you'll find that this woman is very talkative. In fact, if you look in the Greek, and again, I don't know Greek. I know geek, okay? I don't know Greek. But if you count the number of times, she's really talkative. In verse number 9, she replies to Jesus with 11 words. In verse number 15, she replies to Jesus in 13 words. In verse 11 through 12, there are 42 words that she replies in. But then in this last reply, she only uses three words in the Greek. She said, I have no husband. In the Greek, it's actually, I, I know husband. In other words, I don't have a husband. And it, isn't it something this morning when you're talking to someone and you hit a nerve, how quiet they get? You know why? Because of guilt. You know when you're talking to someone and all of a sudden you say something that hits a nerve or they're guilty, all of a sudden they, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, well, I don't want to talk about that. Well, that's another story. No, that's for another time. Well, what happened? We were talking, and I was asking you this question. Well, no, I won't talk about that. It's like, man, they get quiet. They don't want to talk. Amen. All of a sudden, they feel guilty. And all of, this is what's happening with this lady. Suddenly, Jesus says something about her having five husbands, and the one that she's living with is not her husband. All of a sudden, she got quiet, and she said, I have no husband. She's been talking about all this, and sir, and this and this, where is this living water? All of a sudden, I have no husband. That's what she said. I mean, read the story. And let me repeat, this is the longest conversation that's recorded in the Bible with Jesus with someone, and yet it comes down at the end. She just says, I have no husband because there's some guilt. That happens to people when they are guilty of something, they don't want to talk. But what's great about Jesus is Jesus has this long conversation with this woman who is a, a woman that's been a, a basically has failed in marriage, has failed in relationship. She's an immoral lady. She's promiscuous, especially during that 
that time, but Jesus is taking a moment to talk to her of all the people he could have talked to, of all the conversations we could have a, a, a copy of. He's not talking to a king. He's not talking to a religious leader. He's not even talking to his disciple. The Bible says he's taking time to talk to this woman, and it almost sounds like a verbal slap. Am I right? But let me just say this to you. Jesus was not being insensitive, and Jesus was not trying to make this woman, uh, you know, uh, embarrass her. See, without conviction of sin, there could be no conversion. You'll never turn to Christ unless you realize that you're in sin, unless you realize that you need him. God sees behind the mask. He knows the real sickness in our heart isn't physical. We're all sick of sin. Sin is called great sickness in our life this morning. It's it, the root of all of our problems, our disobedience. So Jesus is not being cruel. No more than a doctor prescribes surgery in your life. In order to remove a tumor in your life, there has to be pain. Am I right? Doctor said, oh, you know, I know you need surgery, but, I, you know, I don't want to cause no pain, so we'll just see what happens. Yeah, I can remove it. Oh, yeah, but I, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to hurt you. See, sometimes the truth hurts you in order to heal you. Am I right? Sometimes the truth is going to confront you in order to heal your soul. So Jesus knew he had to get into a conversation that was going to hurt her, but he knew if she would listen, he would heal her. In fact, Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, verse 17, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not call, come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Say sinner. We're all sinners. We, he came to call us. He said, I'm not coming for those that are well. I'm coming for those that are sick. Jesus is the great physician of the soul. And by asking about her husband, he's exposing this woman's lifelong pursuit of happiness. Uh, evidently, this woman was looking for happiness in the wrong places. And Jesus was revealing a deep-seated loneliness that was in her heart and that no man could feel. How many understand what I'm saying today? We've been raised to believe, I got to find the right man. I got to find the right woman, and then I'm going to be satisfied. Let me just tell you right now, it, he doesn't exist. She doesn't exist. There is not one man or woman that can fulfill all your needs. In fact, all of us, listen to me, all of us, the human soul has this God-shaped vacuum in your heart that only God can fill. And unless God fills it, you're always going to feel empty. You're always going to be looking for more. You're going to be jumping from one relationship to another just like this man, woman did. She was trying to fill her heart and soul, but only God can fill her soul. No human being can fulfill that relationship. And you'll keep jumping from one temptation island to another, trying to fill your life. And, friend, you're going to come up empty. God, there's a God-shaped vacuum in your life that only God can fulfill. And when you let him fulfill it, he'll change your life. And so I want, I want my brother to come up, uh, Brother Jason Lopez. He's going to come and just share a testimony of his life. And what God's done in his life today. That's what happens when you have an encounter with Christ. Even in prison. 
And the Lord did something in his life today. And today he's married, married with Marla. He got married in December. Just a walking miracle of God, but there are several walking miracles. I tell the church all the time, you never know who you're, ta- who you're sitting next with, uh, next to in this church. You say, well, I didn't know that guy did that. Yeah, well, you don't want to look at their past. They're chained, but they're chained by the power of God. That's what God does. <laughs> See, when we read this story about this lady here, this woman at the well, does Jesus love this woman? Of course he does. It teaches us that God loves us in spite of our bankrupt life. Jason was talking about his life, and you can talk about your life, and he loves you despite your bankrupt life. See, I want to just say this to you. When someone loves you, they can look at your past without blinking. They can look at your past. See, real love means, you know what, I know the truth about you, but I'm still going to reach out to you. Jesus knew the truth about this woman, but he wasn't out to shame her. He wasn't out to destroy her, even though she was trying to hide her sin. Jesus wanted her to realize, look at, let your sin come out so that I could take it away. Can you say amen? Then the Bible says this in John chapter 4, verse 19. She said, sir, the woman said, after he confronted her about her husband not having a husband, she said, I can see that you're a prophet. What do you think? Of course. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And then Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from or from the Jews, yet Yet a time is coming, and now has come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they're the kind of worshiper the Father seeks. God is the spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. Then the woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. He goes, I'm the one that you're talking about, the one that's talking to you right now, the one that's speaking and confronting you right now. He's the one. I'm the one that you're looking for. See, it's really interesting that after he had this conversation about her having five husbands, and we see her answer with just a few words. We see the guilt that all of a sudden she wants to change the subject. You ever talk to someone and you begin to confront some things and they want to change the subject right away? She got a little religious and said, well, we're, what mountain do we worship on? Where do we go? Because people always want to change the target. Whenever they feel guilty, they want to put the target on somebody else. It's like Adam, when God spoke to Adam, said, where, what, what have you done? He goes, it's the woman that made me do it. And the woman goes, it was, it, was the, it was the serpent. And, of course, the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on, right? And so he kept crawling. I thought it was a good joke. But anyway, we're always trying to blame. We're always trying to blame somebody else for uh, when we feel uncomfortable, we don't want to discuss, and we begin to put the blame on other people. You ever have those conversations with people? You're trying to share the gospel with them. You're trying to share the things of God with them. And all of a sudden, you start hitting a nerve, and they go, well, where do UFOs come from? What about the extraterrestrials? 
with Jesus on the UFO. Wait, wait a minute. We weren't even talking about that. We're talking about what's going on in your life right now. Oh, no, no, we don't want to talk about that. You're trying to put the target on somebody else. And they start talking about, you know, you know, meditation and all these different things. What about all that? You go, hold on a second. You're trying to, you're trying to, this is what this lady was trying to do. She was trying to take the attention off of her. And then she started getting a little religious and started talking about all these different places to worship. And Jesus said, hey, hold on a second. You have a relational issue, not a religious issue. Are you listening to me? See, when you know Jesus, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. Jesus was trying to tell her the relationship you really need is not another husband. A relationship you need is with the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the one that is speaking to you right now. The Bible says she perceived and realized that he was the prophet of God. And he said the true worshipers will worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what kind of worship God's looking for, honest worship, truthful worship. It's not going to be in a certain building. It's not going to be in a certain place. Friend, I can tell you, you can worship God in any place that you want. You can worship him at home. You can worship him in the car. It doesn't matter. You worship him in spirit and in truth. And so if we're not careful today, we think, well, you know, because I go to church, I'm right with God. Not because you go to church, because you have a relationship. And out of your relationship, you come to church. But church's not going to save you. Did you hear me? Just because you go to church doesn't mean you're a Christian. Any more than you go to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. Am I right? We've heard that, right? You got to have a relationship with Christ. We're teaching people here in this church, you got to know Christ. Yeah, the church is here to facilitate that and teach you the things of God. But, friend, unless you know Christ, this church does you no good. you got to have a relationship with God. And so Jesus said, the one who is speaking to you, I am he. Did you know that word I am is only used in reverence to God when, when God spoke to Moses, tell him I am? So Jesus was making himself his identity with God. He was God in the flesh, making it plain to her that day. And the last thing I think this lady would tell us, and I can have the musicians come, he would tell her, or he would, she would tell us, my one encounter with Jesus changed my life. And I'm going to just say this to you. You have one encounter with Christ, he will change your life. I'm going to read this last verse here in this story in John 4, 27. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. No one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, or that jug that she came to draw water with, she left it there. The woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything that I did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward them. So something happened in that conversation that he, when he revealed who he was, something happened in her spirit and in her heart. She left the water pot there. She went back to her city and began to tell everybody, come and meet this man that I've met. He's told me everything about my life. The great thing about this lady, she had no religious training. She didn't know the Bible. She didn't go through all these classes. All she knew is that she had met God. She had met Jesus Christ. It changed her life, and she wanted to share that with him. 
Then she said this in verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers, and they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said, but now we've heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Isn't that powerful? One woman, one encounter changes an entire city. See, I want you to know, so many of us this morning said, I can't share the gospel. I can't tell people about God. All you have to say is, once I was lost, but now I've been found. Once I was blind, but now I can see. You don't have to have all this theological training. You don't have to know all this Bible. All you got to have is an encounter with God and say, man, I know someone that can change my life, and he can change your life. All you need is in your, you need him in your life. And see, the Bible says that these people came. And they begin to believe in Christ. And they told her, now we're following Christ, not because of you, but because we have our own encounter. We know who he is. See, you can't survive on secondhand information. You need an encounter yourself. If you're a young person here, you can't go to heaven just because your parents are going. You got to make a decision yourself. Well, I, I, you know, I'm with my mom. No, you got to have a relationship with God. You can't hold on to her coattail. You can't hold down to your family's code. Well, you know, my mom and dad, they've been going to church all these years. So that means when I die, I'm going to go, no, no, you're not. you got to have your own relationship. You can't have secondhand information. The Bible said they believed not just because of the woman, but they had an encounter themselves, and it changed their life today. The Bible said many came as a result of this woman, and now she got a hold of the living water, and she was giving out that living water. It was spiritual, telling that message to them. And so my word to you today is God wants to give you some living water. You'll never thirst again. Why don't we bow our heads and reverence to the Lord today? Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.